Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. You guys see the the choreo from Frankfurt fans, by the way. The what? Mm-hmm. The choreo. Well, it was basically oh, the, yeah. yeah the 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 banner over the entire stands. And basically, it was all the um, the most famous stickers that Frankfurt uh, fans put on everywhere when when they're on away games. But they just didn't stop. They put all the hooligan stickers and everything in there. It was really? Like, yeah. There was like Brigade Nassau on the top left. There was Eintracht Frankfurt hooligans on the bottom. There was uh, there was Besser Ren Gäste fan. So what means if you're an away fan. You better run. Was on the top, oh, wow. on the top right. Was, <laughs> I kind of expected something like that because after all these choreos, you know that they would do something um, where they celebrate themselves as fans, as ultras, more than the club. Because till this day, it was only about the club. Mm. So I expected something like that, but I'm a bit surprised that nobody talks about it today yeah. because there were all these stickers were in there. It looked very impressive. The uh, stadium. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it looked amazing. Good. It's a bit of a problem, isn't it, when you have such a good choreo like in the round of 16 and then you get to the quarterfinals and the semi and you have to go up one every single time they did it though. <laughs> yeah somehow yeah. looking forward to them trashing London next week <laughs> so <laughs> all my friends are there and I can't go <laughs> literally crying oh Plastic. Well, we'll, uh, we'll move on to uh, Eintracht Frankfurt in a bit. Uh, we've got loads to get through today. So for now, welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm Dan Burke. I'm joined this week by Matt Froelich. Hey. Nico Hamer. Hey. And fresh off the plane back from London, it's Lewis Ambrose. Hello. Uh, you might have noticed the podcast is coming to you a day later than usual this week uh, on a Friday. That's because we decided to push it back so we could talk about not just this week's Champions League action, but the Europa League action, uh, semi-final action too. So we'll start with the Champions League and we'll start with Ajax's 1-0 victory away at Spurs on Tuesday. Um, my first question about this game was uh, something that I asked on Twitter and I didn't get any responses so I'll ask you guys maybe it was a bit too <laughs> it was a Twitter game yeah it was perhaps a bit too intellectually stimulating for Twitter so we'll, we'll see uh, <laughs> good are, luck to us yeah. <laughs> are Ajax a genuinely good team or are they just a surprisingly good team I can can they be both? I can expand on that a little bit if yeah. you want I need a certain explanation I mean the, the point I'm making is that um, is this genuinely like a brilliant team for the ages or mm. is it just like oh this team is good for Ajax because there's a possibility they might not win the Eredivisie this season the top on goal difference at the moment yeah. I believe but they could win the Champions League I it's think kind of, are they just like a good Champions League team a good kind of cup team or I or think is, they'd be surprisingly good if you don't really watch them the surprising sort of down, so. yeah, down to your own. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if it's a surprise, it's not a surprise to Ajax fans. It's just, yeah, it's just surprisingly good mm. from a Champions League perspective. But no, I think they're a good team all round. Like, they actually are the real deal. I think they're so good. Yeah, yeah. And when you say they're level one points with PSV at the yeah. top of the Eredivisie, but PSV were really good in the Champions League mm. this year as well. I think, I think that's because this is a really good PSV team too. Yeah. Almost every week you see Ajax have won 7-0 or 5-0 again. And yeah, PSV played against Spurs, they played against Inter and gave both of them really good games in the group stage. Yeah. So I think, yeah, if they don't win Eredivisie, I think you've got to give PSV a lot of credit for that this season mm-hmm. as well. And by this point, we've seen Ajax against, well, in the group stage themselves against Bayern Munich, they played amazingly well. Now in the knockouts against Real Madrid, Juventus and Spurs, I don't think I don't think anyone's surprised anymore too much yeah yeah, that doesn't just happen you can't just be an alright team and have that kind of Champions League yeah. season and I just feel like they were there for the, at the right moment right this is kind of a weird year for European football it's kind of like a transitional year somehow mm. with like the Madrid era coming to an end Ronaldo leaving them now Ronaldo at Juve he needs to find his place it's not really the same player anymore um, a few of the former like 
giants like Bayern struggling uh, in this year. It was just a perfect, the perfect setup for a young and amazing team to mm. to uh, go far into into the Champions League, and they just stepped up. So. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think of everything. I think time-wise for the team as well, it's just a culmination of everything. The youngsters coming through, the older players in the squad, just everything seems to fit, and it is very rare. Mm. Like to have, if you're a big club who consistently produces good teams over decades, it's not a surprise. It, it's just this is a, a culmination. I can't. The I perfect storm, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. everything. Yeah. That's exactly like you say, what Everything's ha- just happened at the right yeah. time. Like De Jong's had his breakthrough season. De Ligt has, has gone on to another level this mm. season. It's all kind of yeah, just happened all at the same time. And if we look back at Ajax, this isn't an accident. If we look at like mm. we suppose the other night had Eriksen, Alderweireld, and Vertonghen, and, and Davinson Sanchez, Sanchez all yeah. playing yeah. against their former club. We've had you know, Schneider and Van der Vaart and Ibrahimovic have all played at Ajax. It just so happens now that while maybe other European teams are a bit weaker all of these kind of generational players have just come through at exactly the same time as each other that's crazy to think that Ajax played in the EuroLeague final two years ago against Manchester United and plenty of these players have been around at this point already now they're two years older and if you played a EuroLeague final two years ago now you play Champions League twice you've you actually it's a very young team but you've seen some stuff already mm-hmm. like these guys it's not that they're unexperienced I, I, I looked at a team the other day I think eight of them who started the final started the semi-final against Spurs Davison Sanchez is on the other team (laughs) (laughs) Justin Kluivert's at Roma who actually in that final was replaced by David Neres and um, David Klassen yeah oh sorry it's four then and Riedewald Riedewald the one who's at Palace apart from that they're all still there they're two years more experienced you know, especially for younger players, and I think they bought in from that squad. They bought in Tadic was the big signing mm. to that summer. But yeah, they, I they think they brought Daily Blim back yeah. as well. Like they've, I think he played that game that yeah, Europa he did. Yeah. Final, but they brought him back a few years ago, and I think we you think of Ajax and you think of this really young team, but actually you're right. Like this this mixture at the moment of it's, it's the, the youth the and experience. Blend. Blind Tadic at twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah. Lasse Schoener in the midfield's thirty. And then there's youthful yeah, excited surround it. Is perfect storm is, is the perfect way to describe it. I have a question. I know that you got plenty of them prepared. So Go for it. Yeah. Um, but what's your favorite? Who's your favorite player on the team? Because I don't think that that two people here will n- name the same player. <laughs> Frankie De Jong for me. I Frankie can watch De Jong? him all day. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fair call. <laughs> yeah, I think he's brilliant as well. But uh, I don't know. I'm a big Tadic fan. Mm-hmm. He's good. Yeah. I'm taking Vanderbeek. I'm loving lo- yeah, lo- yeah, I, I like all of those, um, but I'd, I'd say uh, Hakim Ziyech. Four different uh, ones. I knew it. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Nobody even said the league. It's incredible, isn't it? It's like trying to name your favourite Backstreet Boy. They're all good. Yeah. Right? So that's easy. It's Nick all day. Um, the, the thing is with the Nick, though, when you're watching it, it, a defender isn't necessarily the most exciting to watch. The Nick's unbelievable, but yeah, if you're talking, we've all picked exciting attacking yeah, players, so... so. I actually saw, funnily enough, very quickly, Ziyech has a twenty-five million pound release clause. Someone's not for to, long. <laughs> yeah, someone's going to take advantage of that, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, bargain. I, I um, saw somebody, if I can, go for it, go I saw somebody the other day after the game uh, say, I "Can't remember who it was," um, but they said Delict is the kind of the leader of this team. De Jong is the brains, and Ziyech is just all of the sort of intuition and creativity on top of that. And I really like that explanation of that sort of spine of the team. In three years, this is end of his third season, a hundred goal involvements in 130 games. Bloody hell! 49 goals, 51 assists. That's (laughs) ridiculous. (laughs) 
Well, moving on to their performance against Spurs, uh, obviously they won one nil. Yeah. Um, Lewis, I saw the the word you used on Twitter was composure. Is that the most impressive thing about this team? They're tactically so composed. Their they attitude don't seem so phased. I mean, they went to Spurs. The atmosphere yeah. was great, and they've they've won in Madrid. They've won in Turin, and now they've won at Tottenham State and Tottenham's new stadium as well. It's whatever uh, we're calling it. Yeah, I, I don't think they know yet. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, I it was the yeah the composure that first twenty minutes. They didn't turn up. They didn't play it safe they didn't think let's get to half time let's let's make sure we're still in the game they went to completely impose themselves on the game they wanted to completely dictate how that game was going to be played which the most experienced teams don't do that away from home in Europe the best teams I mean you're a Man City fan Pep Guardiola's not done that away from home in Europe no. since he was at Barcelona he's managed Bayern Munich and Man City since then and he can't do it his, his teams can't do it um, this yeah I think they would probably come on to it but um They've had a bit of fortune with the fact that the Spurs have just had a lot of injuries or players missing. But the, that first 20 minutes or so was an absolute whirlwind. Every time Spurs nicked the ball, Ajax nicked it back yeah. and fired it forward again. Everything was being fired into midfield. They were playing so quickly and it was so impressive. There's almost a yeah. naivety about them that allows it for it. Yeah, It's almost as if they haven't been scarred by previous yeah. defeats, by and, and previous They've got nothing to lose, bad, right? Yeah, exactly. No, if, they, if they lose in the Champions League semi-finals, they've had an incredible season. Yeah. They, they've not been the favourite in any round so and, far. And the youngsters will probably be there again in their career. Yeah. They're not sort of... We talked to the other week about Pep overthinking about previous games and not winning since... Was it Shakhtar or something? Winning in a way? It's a long time ago. Was yeah. The, these guys don't have any bad experiences, so they're kind of just... Just they're just fearless. going for it, yeah. Just fearless. If everybody hurts, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're just well, let's go for it. <laughs> it was so impressive. It was yeah. so impressive. Um, I mean, I thought they were good for the first twenty-five minutes. Ajax, they sort of tailed off after that. Is that a bit of a worry for them? Do you think? I think I would have been worried. I would be more worried for them if Spurs had actually created something. Because I think we think of Ajax and the same as you know, sort of your Barcelona. It's this Cruyff thing. You want to play beautiful football and have possession and create chances, but actually even though the second half they spent pretty much sat in their own half, they didn't let any chances go. Uh, Delict and Daily Blint were absolutely incredible. And I think they looked more than happy to mm. sit on the edge of their own box and clear everything and just sort of control Spurs' attacks that mm. way. And they still looked dangerous on the counter-attack yeah. after that as well. That, that's the thing. They <clears throat> they looked incredibly composed. We, that word is going to crop up so much. <laughs> In defence, Delict plays like a seasoned 28-year-old. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <clears throat> He's so calm. And as you say, on the counter-attack with the pace that they've got. I think I actually wanted to give credit to Spurs, though, for turning it around, especially bringing oh, Sissoko yeah. on. 100%. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, it changed you know, the game. Bringing Sissoko really gave... I feel like... Um, Talking about naivety, Spurs paid far too much respect to Ajax. Spurs went three at the back, a five at the back, went defending. <clears throat> Had some uh, Wanyam in there is very defensive. Spurs weren't really going for it in the home leg. And I think Pochettino sort of realised that, bought Sissoko on, and then, you know, spent the rest of the game thinking, I should have just done this from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could have been on the front foot from the beginning. Instead, we weren't. The first 25, you know, was terrible. We conceded mm. an away goal. And now we've shot ourselves in the foot. But, you know, I, I think Spurs were far better, but every everything was fine until the final third. And then mm -hmm. when you take away Son and Kane, yeah. 44 goals this season, you're going to lack cutting edge when you don't have your two best strikers. So... <laughs> 
it kind of played into what you'd expect from such a game. Yeah. Well, as ever, if you uh, if you want to get your questions into us, the email address to do so is podcast at onefootball.com. Uh, Arsh Batty has done that. He's got a question for, for you guys. He wanted to ask whether Pochettino got it wrong when he played two up front. He said it worked against Man City, but against Ajax, Rose and Trippier were forced to do everything on their own. Wouldn't it have been better if they played Mora and sort of maybe Ericsson as proper wide players instead of forcing them central? Um... I think this is it all comes from having three at the back when you have three at the back and your wing backs can push on it then eventually forces the wingers inside and the problem is when Spurs play with four at the back and you, you know a 4-2-3-1 normally Spurs don't have a balance of wide players that's the problem Lucas Moura is not a left winger who cuts inside and as a right winger he very rarely stays there He's a, he, he likes to play a lot more central mm. and even when Son's playing they don't have the balance of two wingers on either side so it's it's not really an option to just have one up front and have them supported by wingers having said that having the two up front was I don't want to say Llorente's fault but it's what he brings to the team when you have a big striker the temptation is to hit it up to him mm-hmm. and when you hit it up to a big striker you're a fool if you don't have someone supporting him to get the knockdowns so even if Lucas Moura went out with the intention of being a winger and attacking midfielder every time the ball went up to Llorente he must have thought I have to get there I have to be there for the second ball if Llorente flicks it on so it really forced Spurs' tactical issue even if they had tried to set out in a different way, mm. which, you know, as I say, and Pochettino managed to change it around. But even then, even then, I, f- I felt I felt like it was, yeah, not spot on from Pochettino. Yeah. Not, not the smartest opening half an hour. Uh, one of the big talking points from the game was Jan Vertonghen's head injury. What, that, what do you think was going on? That Why did they send him back? Well, yeah, 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 I was really, yeah. really worried for him. I, I, I feel like it, it was... On the face of it, when someone gets a cut nose, because he's cut right across his mm-hmm. nose, a bloody face, and you clear it up and you patch him up, whatever, you send him back on. It's not, and it should be, from a medical point of view, you wouldn't necessarily um, associate it with a concussion straight away. If someone that, is, gets, that is a problem, though. Because yeah, that's should. the issue. You, you should, should, yeah. But this is what the medical team should. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I, if I didn't, you'd be like, oh, you know nothing about medical stuff, because mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. But, like, if a guy's knocked out, yes. You'd completely understand. But the fact that Vertonghen was like, you know, my face is bloody, clear it up, get back to the side of the pitch. You know, it. Not, I feel yeah. like there was a few telltale signs yeah, we, that, I could that were see missing. On the television, I yeah. could see that he's not all right. But they've, come out, not, they've come out and said that there was no concussion. Yeah, that's a I lie. find I that very hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They said it was a, uh, well, I've got it written down here, a pre-syncopal episode a near faint mm. apparently so we nearly fainted but okay great getting but, back on the pitch the, the thing is this this <laughs> happens very um this happens like very often especially in athletes as well i mean you'll you'll know when it happens to you as well you know when you stand up too quickly and you feel a bit faint yeah. that's exactly what happens so that at a high level i can't remember who did it it was a swansea player at tottenham the guy gomez anyway it happened to him mm. he just stood up too quickly after getting fouled and then just fainted and everyone, you know, went nuts. And that can happen really easy, especially when you've got a loss of blood like that, especially mm. in your head. But I just feel like the fact that Vertonghen came on and then thought, I don't feel so well. Like, why is it down to the player to make the decision, I've yeah. got to come off? Yeah. Like, this is a you know, highly like trained medical, medical star. This is, like, and this is taking us too far away, but just really quick, that Christoph Kramer played in the 2014 mm. World Cup, and he had, after he got that, that hit to the head, and then he has to ask the referee, is this the World Cup final? Yeah. The player that is in a situation where he has to ask the, the referee what game it is, shouldn't be on the pitch, yeah. uh, on the pitch under no circumstances. Should be in hospital, straight, yeah. or, straight away. <laughs> and like, I, I feel like head injuries in general in football is 
a topic that we just ignore and just like take it way too light and yeah I mean yeah the whole idea of it really freaks me out yeah, yeah. someone the, could easily yeah. die the, the, yeah yeah like the it. problem is so often the, the real effects come on like a day later as well when with the yeah, concussion with a major concussion and you really yeah. you really can't tell how bad it is until you know a day later or two days later mm-hmm. and that's something that I I hope Spurs don't try and play him this weekend because yeah, sure. you just, I, I could, doubt yeah. it. I, I highly doubt <laughs> but, it. But the fact they've, they've said it wasn't concussion makes me mm. wonder if he's going to play this weekend well, and certainly the second leg. The official concussion concussion rules or statement, and I, I, I did the going to go off a bit of a tangent here but when I was coaching out in America there's obviously the massive hype around the NFL and all the concussions mm. there and the guidelines say you can't play for four weeks you oh, can't even get back yeah. into activity oh. after two weeks it's an entire protocol yeah. it's a concussion protocol it's, you have to run the entire protocol through it yeah apparently the WWE has better con- concussion protocol than football <laughs> Well, so Vince the, McMahon the, is the, like the thing it is, it's, it's to be expected in NFL and WWE. I think that's yeah. the issue with football. We should expect it. Yeah, yeah. You, you should expect it in football, but there's no obvious point. You can't be like, right, the concussion chances from a corner or from a long ball are going to be higher than you know. It's very difficult, um, but I still think yeah, something needs to be done. Someone did recommend having was it a um, just basically a non-biased doctor on the side because mm. you know the medical staff are going to be under a little bit of pressure get your best defender back on the pitch and you can't have the other team yeah I saw someone else saying they should be allowed to make just a free sub if someone gets concussion basically yeah yeah, so it doesn't sort of really affect the game that much Um, Matt how confident are you feeling for the second leg now Son's going to be back that's got to be a big boost for Spurs yeah yeah absolutely this is the thing after seeing the rest of the game after the first half an hour I am quite confident if it's that same team but you add in the mix of Son in there the only the thing that makes you slightly confident as well is that Ajax haven't won a home game in the knockout stages mm. which it kind of sounds odd and makes you it, it's like they have done all their best work on the road and they won it's on the second legs they've all been sort of chasing the tie in the second yeah and they've gone so. out completely unexpected you know and they they lost at home to Real Madrid and drew at home to Juventus mm. so you know maybe that's a good thing for Spurs I think Spurs are we are pretty good away from home actually I would have to say there's a really kind of certainly the last few seasons have been much better than, than when I was younger <laughs> Spurs uh, two wins a season was good on the road <laughs> but I'm I'm confident on the night of us to get a good result but whether it'll be enough overall I'm not too sure because yeah. going there and getting a one all draw is no disgrace but it's not enough not overall really yeah. is this really some chat that Kane could be back for the second leg uh, no I, I heard I heard that last week I've seen a few people saying yeah, it yeah it was because he always comes back earlier than yeah, normal yeah. so everyone was hyping it a bit but no yeah, that's no. probably the problem isn't it <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I doubt I doubt that risk him I want him to not play for England Spurs anyone just until come August. back next season yeah. completely yeah. just fresh. four months mate. it feels like because he does always come back ahead of schedule yeah. and it, it feels like he pushes himself yeah he is and he's is not fully fit when he comes yeah. back usually I think the problem is we haven't got cover so the temptation to rush him yeah. straight back in is mm. just too large for Pochettino to ignore what about well, Vincent Janssen oh. yeah you never know God. this could be his time to shine yeah <laughs> <laughs> what a story that would be uh, well elsewhere in the Champions League uh, semi-finals this week Barcelona won 3-0 at home to Liverpool in the first leg of that tie um, how much do you think the Naby Keita injury affected Liverpool in this game they sort of started off really well I thought with him as the sort of False nine. <laughs> Where's he going? Is you, Mr. Man? Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm sure can do. Um, 
I thought I was done after the Ajax <laughs> I've just remembered as well very quickly Janssen wasn't registered for the Champions League oh, I, was just, I was just checking this yeah. I, was, I wasn't answering I'm literally just sorry yeah yeah he's not but anyway um, I think I think is a massive miss in the game look at how well Liverpool played and how well they could have done if they'd had a real box to box midfielder like Cater. Mm. I thought Henderson's passing was really good when he came on funnily enough on the other hand yeah. it was kind of his fault the second goal because he has to close down on whoever Johnny Alba was it no who Henderson yeah 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 he's the one that defends on the wing this, and he's, he's just like he's just a meter too far away I thought I thought Cater was brilliant though I, mm. on the flip side did Wijnaldum play <laughs> At half time I honestly didn't even know he was on the pitch. I can't remember him touching the ball. Yeah, but look, his role was wasn't that easy to play. Yeah, he was like he was, a false nine sort. Yeah, exactly. He has he just had to throw his body in and like make some room, which actually worked in, in a mm. few situations, but you're right, yeah, he I think wasn't his Kate, best game. Kate is a big miss and he's out for the season. Yeah, and the AFCON worked. Yeah, he's he's a, a big miss considering mm. his turnaround in form. Yeah, the last like, month or so he's played yeah. like like he played when you he was expect. at Leipzig yeah yeah yeah, well, he went off injured in this game. Liverpool conceded more or less immediately. It felt. Um, do you think it was a it was a case of a, a good pass from Jordi Alba that that first no, goal, was or was it pass. was it poor defending? Mm. Or, it was a or great a pass. <laughs> the, the like the angle, I think, made it so difficult to defend. Yeah, playing the ball from where he played it is it's not really a cross and it's not really a pass. It's sort of something in between. Yeah. Uh, and the finish was brilliant yeah. as well. Like to as it was as it bounced to just lift it over. I, Allison was brilliant. I was watching Suarez. it at the time, and I honestly said, I think Luis Suarez is the only. Only striker in the world who scores that. No, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah it is nobody kind of else like... moves like Suarez does, mm. and his energy. And you, if I saw that, I'd be like, "That's a terrible cross." <laughs> Only he scores you, that. You wouldn't even bother chasing. Yeah, no. Uruguay, like tried for the last like ten years. It's exactly what they play. Yeah. Like they, they try these these like mediocre like mix of pass and crosses that come in super he, super he strong just and gambles and yeah. runs on everything yeah. I can't see yeah. Lewandowski Kane anyone yeah, yeah. gambling on that kind of cross exactly and scoring the same thing. Yeah, only like Suarez would such a Suarez <laughs> but I still think that Henderson could have done a better job there defending that oh, just, it was just yeah. it was a bit passive there and just a little bit I don't know <laughs> but sometimes you just want to find somebody who's... I reckon they thought they had the, the situation safe you had yeah. Jordi Alba crossing yeah. and he had one yeah, as far as in there well, yeah. Van Dijk played him on side as well didn't he so. I think Van Dijk I'm not saying he could have done better but Suarez was three yards in front of him so tell Matty yeah, or go yeah. yourself in this situation Matty can't know where Suarez yeah. is so Van Dijk has to be yeah, the one yeah and Van Dijk just sort of watched him run off he wouldn't have caught him anyway it was that quick Suarez but still yeah that was a brilliant goal I, probably but the second the cross came in, mm. I don't think it would, he couldn't defend it anymore. It no, no, Suarez was no, too no, quick. No yeah. Yeah. Suarez gambled on it from before Albert even hit the cross. Uh. Were we pleased to see Suarez celebrating against his old club, or, or is that we did, disrespectful in this we, day? And we age? recently did in the newsroom. We do this thing every week called the Great Debate, and we uh, we had a question a few weeks ago, like, "What's the thing you hate most about modern football?" And mine was players not celebrating against their mm. former club. Shut up. <laughs> If, if you really, really, really want to like pay homage to what you did for yeah. my club, don't play against us. Yeah. Like, don't score and then be, oh, <laughs> yeah. sorry. 
You should I'm, even I'm do it. If, you and I have to tell a real short story. Try to make it quick. Ante Rebic scored against Freiburg in the league. Uh, but then yeah. didn't celebrate because he thought it was Leipzig, who they, we played for three years ago. <laughs> and then Get he out. scored in the UEFA Cup against like Donetsk or somebody yeah, in yeah. the Euro League. And he didn't score, uh, celebrate because he thought it was Fiorentina. Yeah. Within like three days. Wow. I don't know what's wrong with him, man. <laughs> Sounds like a concussion. But. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree with Lewis. And especially, I can understand ever so slightly one if he did it at Anfield right doing it at home in front of imagine ignoring 94,000 because there's a section of two or three thousand as if you're not happy you've just scored in a Champions League semi-final I know doing it at home is absolutely fine doing it away from home maybe but even then he just did the little kneel slide and just went yes it's not like he's running up swearing, you know, giving it the I can't hear you, all this stuff. Yeah. If he does it in front of the cop, it's a bit different. But in front of your li- home lifts crowd, his shirt up and has yeah. a t-shirt underneath that says you actually walk alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, exactly. Like there's a bit of a difference. Yeah. I mean it's just I mean, I think some of the Liverpool fans perhaps thought that his behaviour, aside from the goal, kind of overstepped the mark a bit. He was getting in people's faces. How many times did Liverpool fans watch Luis Suarez play for their oh, team? Yeah, yeah that's no quite, idea yeah. what he plays like. There was also the incident yeah. with Messi where he's seem to maybe lash out at Fabinho a bit did you see that did you yeah yeah. you think there was anything wrong kick. with that I mean, I mean I've seen there's, apparently there's a petition going around to get him of course there is of course or, there is yeah. handbags yeah yeah, no. Now Fabinho, Fabinho blocked him off, uh, and he's kind of raised his arm <laughs> yeah. a bit stupidly. But like, yeah, no. <laughs> nothing to it really. Was no, it? this Suarez thing's very strange. I think because if um, if Barcelona lost the game, Liverpool fans would very, very gladly give him a nice round of applause at Anfield next week. But now that Barcelona won and he scored and he was a bit happy about it, they'll probably boo him. Mm. It's a bit weird. Yeah. No, that's football though you leave clubs and then you play for other clubs it's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not like he left this summer right like last summer no, I mean, that four years yeah. and as, years as a fan as well when one of my players scores against their former team and they go mad I love it yeah I remember yeah, um, as an Arsenal not. fan Danny Welbeck scored at Old Trafford in, in his first season at Arsenal and he did not hold back and <laughs> I absolutely love that <laughs> nothing beats Adebayo against Arsenal though. Oh, <laughs> running oh. the length of the pitch oh, <laughs> to the heel slide mm-hmm. that was a little bit different it's wasn't it Fighting a riot. Yeah. Were you there? Unsavory chance. I wasn't, but I was at Old Trafford um, and Robin Van Persie played against Arsenal for the first time. And he Did didn't. He score a hat trick, didn't he? No, he scored. He scored, he scored in the first like 10 minutes and he didn't celebrate. And then everyone booed him because they were like, no, if you cared about Arsenal, really, you wouldn't yeah. leave us for Man United, <laughs> would you? Funny <laughs> a home crowd, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, Liverpool stepped it up a notch in the second half. They had three pretty good chances to score the first 15 minutes of the second half. Do you think they were a bit unlucky not to have scored? in this game um, I checked the, the XG uh, for what it's worth apparently it was 2.7 for Barca 1.6 for Liverpool so they were very unlucky three think, especially that chance of, just after the, the third goal yeah, yeah. and it was an incredible block from Rakitic off the line from Firmino and then Salah is just stretching for it and mm. it, it's a it looks like a bad miss but it is when you hit the post it's it's unlucky as well he yeah. had three players he had three players on the line one and nine, yeah nine. exactly yeah yeah, that's that's defining though. You take three one back with an away mm-hmm. goal, then mm-hmm. yeah, things aren't looking so well, bad. They were really going for it at the end, weren't they? Liverpool really yeah. going for that that away goal. It very nearly it cost almost them a almost cost yeah. them a fourth. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get started on Usman Dembele. What was that? <laughs> What? I, I blame Lionel Messi it's like when you for, press for, the for cross trusting. button on FIFA by accident yeah. And yeah. it's like when yeah. you don't know how to play football like that was so <laughs> ridiculous if you're Lionel Messi just shoot D- yeah. don't, don't trust anyone just, else to do it. oh man 
There's nothing like it. Do you think Barcelona's second goal came against the run of play or, or do you subscribe to the theory that they were just kind of soaking up the pressure and waiting to pounce on, on Liverpool? Can both things be true? I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I, 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 watching the game back, I didn't see it live until uh, until just before the second goal. But we watched quite, uh, quite a lot of it back on, on Thursday. And I thought that... Um, Liverpool were the, the team in control and in the ascendancy, but I don't. I didn't feel like Barcelona were ever panicking at the back. Look, Gerard Piquet was incredible. Mm. A little bit at the beginning, the first. <laughs> yeah, long minutes, lay a little. No, bit. but uh, yeah. but before the second goal, oh, I mean, oh, yeah. it's, oh, okay, uh, yeah. after, after Barca had taken the lead and Liverpool yeah. were on top, yeah. but I, I didn't feel like Barcelona were sort of sweating too much. There's a couple of saves from Testegen, but both shots from distance and that yeah. kind of thing, and I felt like Barcelona still sort of had a hand on the situation. Mm. A few people saying that perhaps this game exposed Virgil van Dijk a little bit. Is that unfair, do you think? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, he's coming up against Lionel Messi. Yeah. He'd expose anyone, wouldn't he, really? Yeah, yeah no. I was, I was quite impressed with Joel Matip, though. I think he's quietly been quite good for Liverpool this season. Yeah, van the, Dijk's sort of taken the, the defensive headlines. improvement, sort of, everyone says it's about van Dijk, but it's, I think, as a fair bit is about Matip playing instead of Lovren more often as yeah. well. I just, whenever, like, I remember seeing Matip as a 17-year-old kid playing for Schalke, and whenever I see him play, when I see him play in a Champions League semi-final, it just feels like, and he even looks like he doesn't belong there. <laughs> yeah. Everybody is just like, he's too skinny. He's he looks just, like, he's like he shouldn't just, work as a footballer. Yeah, yeah, he literally yeah. looks like a 17-year-old that is wearing too big of a shirt and just <laughs> somehow ended up there. But I love seeing him there, and he did a good job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's 600 goals for Lionel Messi now. Not bad. Not bad at Not all. Bad. Is that one of the best free kicks you've ever seen, would you say? Yes. Yeah, I went nuts. I don't even celebrate <laughs> yeah, the I team's did, yeah, goals, but yeah. I was I couldn't believe it. Yeah. That was yeah, it was insane. Uh, yeah, same. Yeah. As Apparently, it took a slight deflection off Joe Gomez. Were, I have noticed this. They were pointing this, this out on BT Sport. Rio yeah. Ferdinand mentioned it. It was like it took a very small nick off Joe Gomez's shoulder, but I don't think it really made a difference. The, 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 the thing about it is, there was almost an air of kind of acceptance about it. Like it, normally, if someone does that, you're like mad, mm. and you just think, "Oh yeah, it's messy." Like we even when he was coming yesterday. up, I was like, "Is he really going to score this?" Yeah, we and talked it, about it yesterday. It's it almost like you'd like, expect it. Yeah, it's automatic. From yeah. that, like at this point, for me, Leo Messi is the best free kick taker in the world at the yeah. moment, at least from the mm. distance. Let's say thirty meters. Um, there's nobody that's better than better than him, and like, it's it's kind of like in La Liga, they you know that they, sometimes they don't play him because they just feel like yeah, we can't do it without him, and then they stop him in like the 60th minute because he need a goal, and I think twice this season he won the game by a free kick, and now he probably decides. The, the semi-final of the Champions League by another free kick it's, it's insane mm. he doesn't look like he should be able to take a good free kick either he looks like he's got too sort of a diminutive frame for that kind of thing but he continues yeah. to astound us do you think this finally puts the sort of Messi Ronaldo debate to bed, or well, it's not going to, is it? Let's be it, honest. It, it never will, but it should be. <laughs> I think though is the thing though is Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo still has won the European Championship. He has made yeah, like, and, and, done, and Messi hasn't. So no, but yeah. Messi has, has won nothing with the with his yeah. uh, with his national yeah. team besides playing what four four finals, three finals. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like that's four one-off games. I just think. Yeah. The, the, the one player can't decide for completely one it's just so random anything that can happen yeah. in one match it is obviously it's yeah. random but Ronaldo he didn't even but that's play the thing. Are we, are we a bit, that's the thing are you going to say and I really don't want to get into <laughs> yeah. this but, like, but, but you know are we going to say that one player's better than another player because Higuain was offside in the World Cup final that's, is that really yeah. the difference also that France team was a million miles better than the Portuguese team I, and, 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 and Portugal only won it when Ronaldo went off yeah so yeah that's 
No, but I just wanted to throw it in. Because yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you spark a whole other debate. <laughs> so how did Liverpool approach the second leg now? I mean, I was watching this game with my Manchester City hat on. And at 3-0, I was thinking, this is the perfect score. Because Liverpool kind of have to chase it in the second leg now. There's still something there for them to grasp at, isn't there? When Barcelona were going through and it looked like it might be 4-5-0, I was like, no, don't do this. Because then they can just sort of think, well, <laughs> second leg's gone now. We'll just focus on the league. Whereas now, do you think this could kind of distract them from their Premier League title challenge. If, if there's, if there's, oh, I'm trying to. You want hope there? If, <laughs> if there's one coach in the world that will go and play a home game and think we can blow any team away and win by five goals, it's Jurgen Klopp, and he's done it before with Dortmund. He's done it before with Liverpool as well. If there's one guy that I would like to be in charge of my team, and when you have to win by three or four goals, it mm. would be him. Do you see Liverpool keeping a clean sheet against Barcelona? That's the issue. Because yeah, Barcelona get one, the they've question. got to get five, haven't yeah, they? That's so the it's, yeah. I, I think they need to look at the Roma Barcelona game from last year. That was, in terms of blueprint for a second leg, perfect. Mm. Roma needs to win 3 0. They got an early goal. I think it was a fourth minute or something. Penalty, yeah. A really early goal which completely un- unsettled Barcelona and they thought right maybe defend they're going to come too gung-ho and then you get a goal midway through the second half and then you cap it off with a, a late winner that was like, that's like the blueprint for winning good the next like 50 minutes after the first goal they played it quite calm because yeah. they were trying not to run into a counter-attack but, but, that, but that's the thing if yeah. you go 3-0 up too early almost yeah, within half an hour an Barcelona will come back out you really don't want to panic it's a really difficult thing you've yeah. got to win the go- a game by three goals but you can't go for it because it'll yeah. be over I, I think we often watch this when, when it's like this and then you watch the game and you think they've got to score really early actually if they're 1-0 up by half time that is a yeah, great that's position to be yeah. in yeah. you need to win the game not like a quick period you yeah. can't just get back to 3-0 and then go oh we've done our job now yeah but like, obviously yeah. you score early you bring the you bring the crowd in it helps yeah. they'll have no right. problem bringing the crowd in at Anfield yeah, next week at all no it'll be so. nuts but honestly <laughs> I can't see it no I don't think so either. I just can't see them keeping a clean sheet no, that's the, that, issue. That's, that's the issue. I can exactly. see Liverpool scoring a few, sure, yeah, but yeah. a clean too, sheet. But I don't see a, a chance. So if they score one, they have to get five. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so it's <laughs> <laughs> to win five-one. I mean, it's the same scenario that City were in against Liverpool in the Champions League last season, and City started really well, scored after like yep. two minutes, and then yeah, I just couldn't really muster the fight back in the end. Yeah, it's gonna be difficult. Yep. Well, moving on to the Europa League action from this week, we'll start with the uh, Arsenal Valencia game. Arsenal three-one winners of that one. Lewis, you were at the game. You're, uh, you've just come back this morning on an early flight um, I gather you weren't very impressed with Arsenal's performance despite the win uh, it was really strange I think so, so if you go through the players individually I think everyone played quite well or relatively well um, Aubameyang and Lacazette were the standouts um, but the, I thought in defence in midfield everyone was okay Um but the team itself just something didn't click they didn't really control the game they looked just a bit too stretched when the Valencia came forward and they really struggled to create any clear cut chances I felt Lacazette and Aubameyang aside when they were mm-hmm. linking up with each other so it was a bit of a strange performance I think yeah what was the atmosphere like at the Emirates are Arsenal fans fully invested in this <laughs> Europa League no, campaign um, now as as Arsene Wenger once said, it, if you have caviar too long, you don't want to go back to sausages. <laughs> and it, as I told you before, sausages are better than caviar. You so have said that. I don't yeah, get that analogy. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's uh, I, it was a it was weird even just around the stadium before the game. I think Arsenal just spent so long in the in the Champions League, and even last year we got to this stage, the Europa League, and then played Atletico Madrid, and it, it felt like a big European fixture. Mm. Um, and even the quarterfinal, I think for, against Napoli this year, it felt more like a big, you know, a really big European fixture. So I think getting to the semi final and then playing Valencia, people almost a bit underwhelmed. Did it feel took, like a bit of a took gimmick, it for granted. Really? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think they really have uh, really took it for granted. Thought, oh, that's the final then. Um, so it was really strange. Of also coming into it off the back of losing three games and letting nine goals in over the course of the last week, probably didn't help. I think, the, yeah, the crowd didn't really get into the game until after Arsenal gone 1-0 down and the players didn't either. And, and sometimes you get that, I think, in English stadiums, especially when the crowd isn't there from the very first minute, the players need to do something to really get the crowd going with them. Um, unfortunately, what Arsenal did was concede <laughs> um, and then nearly conceded a second and that that's got people off their feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in a constructive way, really, <laughs> but... Um, well, they did because they went on and scored well, the next yeah, three goals. Yeah, but yeah, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't much pleasant stuff going around me in the crowd when everyone thought Arsenal were going to go 2-0 down. But um, yeah, I think after that, Arsenal scored quite quickly and from then the stadium was with them. Mm-hmm. That first goal was pretty shambolic from a defensive point of view for, for Arsenal. Yeah, it was a bit the, too easy. The, yeah, it, it, a catalogue of errors again. <laughs> Is that Arsenal's biggest problem defensively? Set pieces, do you think? Or, or do they... It hasn't been throughout the season, but over the past few weeks, they've let in a few goals now. Free kick at Wolves, goals to to Crystal Palace and Leicester last weekend as well looked really dangerous from pretty much every set piece they had. So it's something that definitely needs to be addressed at the moment, which is odd because we've got all the way to April and not really looked like we were going to leak goals from, from set pieces all season. But suddenly something's changed. I think, yeah, it was... Um, the goal itself was poor and only a couple of minutes before that Valencia had blazed one over the bar from about six yards out mm. from a free kick as well so it's definitely something that's going to have to be worked on yeah. this is the difference of having an away goal though like with Liverpool Barca just to win 2-0 yeah. Yeah. just to win 2-0 at home and Valencia get the crowd behind them I'm a big fan of Marcelino the manager I mean my issue with that would be did you see Valencia's defending last night <laughs> yeah. surely they're not going to keep a clean sheet yeah, in the second leg shorty, but I yeah I think that that's the kind of the key just having that one away goal is definitely I mean I think so, there was there so was a much. big you could feel the relief when Arsenal scored the third goal in, I was in stoppage that. time last night the stadium celebrated yeah. that goal a lot more than the other two yeah. and I think everybody felt like we, we can't go there with 2-1 because that's that's, that's a nightmare yeah I think the third goal was absolutely huge. Well, Emery reckons the tie is still 50-50. I think he was being a bit diplomatic publicly. Yeah, yeah oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Can't be 50-50. Yeah, I think, no. yeah you, t- you take a, t- a two-goal lead and you're obviously in the driving seat. Yeah. yeah. We were laughing in the office earlier this week when they announced the Football Writers Player of the Year um, for Raheem Sterling and it came out came to light that one journalist, at least one journalist somewhere, had voted for Alexandre Lacazette as the Football Writers Player of the Year, which is <laughs> obviously ridiculous. Can they name and shame? No, they didn't. Oh, no, they just said dude. that he'd been voted for um, but he has been good this season. Let's you know he has been good. He's got yeah. Eighteen goals he's been now. Very season. good. Yeah, eighteen goals after last night. Ten assists as well. I think. Mm. So he's. Um, Could he be Arsenal's player of the year? I think it's probably. It's just weird because Aubameyang has twenty-five goals, but 
you kind of feel like he's probably not player of the year, which mm. sounds a little bit strange. A lot of sort of tap-ins for Aubameyang and stuff. Yeah, which I, I think he deserves credit for, get, for getting in those positions so mm. consistently mm. as well. I think that's a skill in itself. But when he's not scoring... He, he doesn't offer something else which is fine if, if a guy's going to score 25-30 goals a season and doesn't do much else I'm perfectly okay with that mm-hmm. but Lacazette is um, is really valuable for the whole team I think he works so hard he brings others into play and the way he plays with Aubameyang too it's really really special to see the club have two strikers that should hate each other competing for the position <laughs> but they see they get along so well yeah. and they play together really well too and it's really really useful for Arsenal especially when our attacking midfielders Ramsey's leaving and then you've got Mkhitaryan Iwobi Ozil you don't think any of those players are really good for more than five or six or seven goals a season each so to have two strikers that can get into the 20s is absolutely massive I I saw a great uh, great a great (laughs) quote on both of them um Talk about the relationship, saying it benefits them both to get along with each other. Because if they don't, yeah. one of them is not going to play. Mm. So it actually, as much as yeah, yeah, normally any other club, I think of Aguero and Jesus, I'm sure both of them would happily, you know, if the other one's injured, they'd be like, oh well, I they, they start. Suit, they suit each other as well. Yeah, yeah. That, and, that's and I the think thing. playing both of them also just means for each of them, if somebody's going through a bit of a dry spell, the other one's probably going to be scoring some yeah. goals. And but yeah, it was ever since Aubameyang arrived, I think. It it was the third or fourth game with the club and Lacazette hadn't scored for for quite a while and Arsenal got a penalty and he gave him the ball and mm. straight away that was quite a mm. oh kind of moment like this isn't a guy that's going to be greedy and not want the other guy to score I think you saw that with the first goal last night so mm. I think a lot of strikers would have took it on themselves um, but he just looked for Lacazette straight mm. away he's phenomenal which is not Lacazette. very typical for, for Young, at least when you look back at his Dortmund years he, was, he did it with like with players he likes he does it but normally <laughs> it is, it is, that is true though right I mean like, I think he's I think he's for a 30 goal season striker he's pretty unselfish okay. I would well, say like, <coughs> he, yeah, was, probably, he was known for a bit of an attitude problem at Dortmund wasn't he you know he sort of like training and stuff like that but there's not really been any of that Arsenal. no not really well behaved that was really blown up in the English media or in the, actually in the German media yeah, as well so for his first three years at Dortmund everything was fine nobody had a problem with him or four years even um there was never there was a couple of times he didn't turn up to, to training on time and that kind of thing mm-hmm. but I don't think it was anything out of the ordinary um, and if you speak to any Dortmund player that played with him they all love him it, yeah. it wasn't like a prima donna sort of thing and then yeah he he tried to force the move through to Arsenal I think at the end and then there was a little bit of a smear campaign from Dortmund to make it out as if it was a bit worse than mm. it was like he was driving his like silver Lamborghini or like metallic yeah whatever. he had the Batmobile or yes, something yeah, the Batman. He was driving that for years, but then when he was trying to pr- like force, then it was a problem. Away, then it was a problem. Yeah, yeah. so that's uh, actually true. It was a bit of a campaign. There. It's, it's right. really funny. You see him like the way he dresses so extravagantly and with those like metallic cars or whatever, and then you see him in an interview and he's really softly spoken. He yeah. looks a little bit shy. It's a bit strange. <laughs> Uh, another player who really impressed me for Arsenal last night was Laurent Koscielny it's been quite the year for him hasn't it after what was it rupturing his Achilles in the yeah, Europa been, League semi-final last year been battling an Achilles injury for a couple of years mm. and just sort of soldiered on through it and had weeks where he wasn't training properly and doing a lot of physio on it and yeah came back in November or December and I think almost everybody thought there was no way he at 33 34 years old yeah, I was just going to say that yeah. he's 33 now out for six seven months yeah. he 
been uh, he'd lost the World Cup his World Cup place I think he's admitted he really struggled with that going watching France win the World Cup was really tough on him mentally knowing that he should have been there and he should have won the World Cup as well Um, and he's come back and he looked rusty for a few weeks and he's now again at this age with this injury Arsenal's best defender still Mm. he's he's carried this defence for years and he's literally given life and limb now because his leg is finished and coming back from an Achilles can be so hot yeah and yeah. at that age it's insane yeah, at that age Kobe Bryant, yeah. basketball I know 35 Tony Achilles one of the greatest players best hardest workers of all time never came back to same yeah. like not nearly the same so it is it is really really tough the Arsenal have got to be really careful I think Koscielny will probably stay next season and, and then and that'll be it but they've got to be so careful with him yesterday he turned on his ankle once and quite early on and from then on the, the remaining 75 minutes every time he sprinted after the ball you could see it in his pa- in his face the pain he was going through <laughs> I'm sure he won't be playing at the weekend yeah uh, just before we move on from Arsenal a quick word on Aaron Ramsey who's officially now played his last game for the club right yeah. he's, he's injured you've Devastating. got to be upset about that yeah yeah, yeah it's a uh... It's, it's a real shame 10 years not often that players stay at a club for 10 years nowadays mm. and Ramsey had a bit of a, a bit of a unique journey I think as well having his leg break so young double leg break mm. and coming back from that and he's gone on to score two cup final winners no centre midfielder has ever scored as many goals for Arsenal as him so yeah it's a real sort of end of an era kind mm. of thing actually is it going to be a testimonial for him or anything like that no, I no. think so he'll, he'll be off to Turin yeah, and good luck to him. Give him a guard of honour with him and Petr Cech. Yeah, him and Petr Cech will, yeah. will get a guard of honour on Sunday. It's the last home game of the mm-hmm. season. Aaron Ramsey for ten years of service and Petr Cech for not being just, so great, <laughs> just being old, basically. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Nico, your boys, your Eintracht Frankfurt boys were in action last night. Drew yes. one all at home to Chelsea in the first leg of that one. How did you think they got on on the night? Really, honestly, as good as possible, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't do much more. This team is a. We're playing in Europe the first time since two. 2013 and um, it's a thin team not too many players not a deep squad um, it is the 40 what's the, what the 46th competitive game this season Daniela Costa for example played every single one of them and you could just tell 30 minutes high pressure football and then like the tank there was nothing left in the tank it was mm. empty it was nowhere to go the rest was just pure fight and I think they did a great job there mm. honestly we liked a few players um, Ante Rebic was out with the yellow card um, he would have been good but who we need the most is Sebastian Allaire um, mm. he's our target man up front incredibly underrated compared to the other two um, and actually since he's been out which is like three four weeks now um Frankfurt slowed down immediately and there is some hope that he comes back for a second leg like my hopes are on that mm. but I honestly think Frankfurt did a great job yesterday yeah, yeah. Uh, Luka Jovic obviously got the goal brilliant header that was wasn't it um, I mean a lot of uh, clubs are supposedly in for him this, this summer um, is it fair to say that kind of goal is what he's all about that kind of striker's instinct in the box pretty much like 100% yes <laughs> that is exactly what, what this is such a difficult header like because he, he's basically on his knees and then he takes it with the head and it's perfectly perfectly timed and perfectly positioned and that's 100% what Luka Jovic uh, what makes him great and um, 
like I said, we miss Sebastian Alea because if he plays with a big man, like a target man next to him, and he is not the one that needs to to uh, m like create the room, but he can just like dive into the room, then he's absolutely deadly. Um, that was basically the only the only the only situation like that in the entire game, and he scored. And that's 100% what Luka Jovic is. He's for he's 20 21 years old mm. since December only, and he's absolutely deadly. Yeah, I think he's got 26 goals now, which is more than he yeah, ever think managed. Yeah, 27? Could be 27, actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just checked it yesterday, um, and obviously assists aren't his, like, his strength, but um, overall competitions, I think he has, like, lapped it up yesterday, like 37 scorer points or something like that, for 21 years, is said again, that was on a loan that cost 200,000 euros, mm. the loan, not the fee afterwards. That's just incredible. Yeah, and the fee was only 7 million euros, wasn't yeah, it? Absolutely. So, yeah, <laughs> Great, uh, great job, and... Um, Yeah, it's like yesterday was just once again it showed what everybody in Frankfurt loves about this 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 squad so much mm -hmm. um, because even though Chelsea was was a better team, you could tell, and uh, we got dominated for for a good 70 minutes. That's just what it is. But mm -hmm. this team just kept on fighting and just looking into our captain David Abraham's eyes when he was trying to stop Hazard when he came in after 75 minutes and Abraham <laughs> was barely able to stand. Um, it was just incredible, and um, I think for me this is the greatest season. Well, maybe after the cup win last year. Yeah. Fan, yeah. You mentioned Hazard there. He he obviously didn't start the game. He said he come on after 75 minutes. Is it just me or something? A weird thing to do to rest him for the first leg of your semi-final when Especially, the league's basically gone, isn't it? Really? Well, like, like Chelsea are in fourth at the moment, and I guess I guess Mauricio is thinking if they win their last two league games, then they're in the Champions League. Mm. But if they just beat Frankfurt and then win the Europa League final, they're in the Champions League yeah. as well. Yeah. So I yeah. I don't really get it. Uh, I mean, they've come out of it relatively. Yeah, they, they, yeah, the they've they've definitely. I, I don't think you could say they've got away with it. It probably doesn't give them enough credit. Mm. Um, but they've like I guess he's been proven right in the end. If they go to Stamford Bridge and finish the job there, then you can't really criticize the decision. It's true. I I couldn't believe it when I read it yesterday. He's not playing. It was like wow, they're not taking it serious at all. And it was like oh, this is our this is the chance. <laughs> have to use it now but um, yeah I'm pretty sure in the second leg probably gonna see him right yeah mm. I would imagine he'll start that game yeah, yeah. I thought Ruben Loftus-Cheek was possibly the best player on the pitch he's a guy who perhaps doesn't get mentioned as much Amazing. as your uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi's and people like when that when Ross Barkley and uh, I, I like I quite like Matteo Kovacic but he's not been very good this season when him and uh, him and Barkley have played so much this season mm. Loftus-Cheek's only just started getting in the first 11 for, for the Premier League games he's played a lot of Europa League minutes and you just wonder why mm. why has Loftus-Cheek not been playing more I, I'm pretty sure he would start for like probably 17 out of 18 Bundesliga teams he would be an he would be a starting player and um, Frankfurt fans don't give opponent players too much love <laughs> but there was a common understanding that Ruben Loftus-Cheek that he was something special last night mm. I think just like you said he was the best mm. player on the pitch yeah he's so physically so dominant and still so good with the ball mm. quick on his feet could have scored two yesterday maybe that he should actually probably yeah. <laughs> score two poor finish I but um, yeah he was he, really Really he's good. unbelievable yeah. I feel like Chelsea are doing him a massive disservice mm. by not playing him that much that's it I mean Holton and Doyle is the one that everyone talks about no one really cares about him anymore do they but it's yeah. but it just like he had the was it Crystal Palace for the season long mm. loan last year mm. it showed that he's a Premier League player so he he has to walk into Sarri's office this summer and say I'm a starter or I'm mm. leaving next yeah. season Yeah, you can't for the sake of your own career he could be phenomenal for England as well mm-hmm I would love to see him in the Bundesliga. He would be so dominant in the Bundesliga. 
that would be a great fit. Yeah. Uh, there was some talk before the game that Chelsea had a defensive crisis and then they started with David Luiz and Andreas Christensen. It's not that bad for a that crisis, means, is it? That really? means they were only missing Antonio Rudiger. Yeah, right. So, yeah. So, yeah. so this is pretty much their first choice defence. Yeah, I mean, Christensen's another one who's fallen out of favour this year. Yeah, and he, he looked really good last season, didn't he? I it's, don't get that so much. I think he's a really good player. Mm. I know his dad keeps moaning and they're sort of saying they're going to force their way out if he doesn't play mm. more. Um, I, I suspect David Luiz will start playing much less given his age and Christensen will take his place but Actually, it was a, another pl- of the another player that played in the Bundesliga and was brilliant went yeah. back to Chelsea played a fair bit under or quite a lot in the end under Antonio Conte last season and Sarri just doesn't seem to fancy him I guess mm. yeah well, I thought Chelsea were, you know, as you mentioned, Nico, the dominant side on the night. They had 68% possession at the end, 15 shots, five on target. You, do you feel confident about Eintracht's chances of going and getting a result at Stamford Bridge next week? I felt way less confident before the, before the game yesterday, yeah. Um, I actually think with this team, everything's possible. There is a chance Alaire's back, Rebic is back. Um, look, if Frankfurt scores two next week, then everything is completely <laughs> possible. All and with Alaire and Rebic... I can see it happening. Yep. So it depends on Alain mostly for me. If he's back, which is like kind of like nobody can really tell, then I think, yeah, why not? And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. Yeah. And Lewis, if Arsenal get to the final, who would you rather play? Chelsea or Eintracht Frankfurt? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a nice question. I think Frankfurt, Frankfurt are brilliant uh, going forward, and Arsenal's back line, I wouldn't fancy their chances if Ella, Rebic, and Jovic were all playing. Um, but I'd probably have to say Frankfurt. Jesus, my heart can't take another final against Chelsea. <laughs> In Baku. Yeah. That's a, that's a bit of like an old rivalry thing. I think it'd be more interesting if it was Frankfurt. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck to you. Uh, we've got a, a bit of time left, um, so we might as well talk a little bit about the Bundesliga. Um, that game last week, the uh, the Revere Derby, Schalke oh. somehow won 4-2. <laughs> at Borussia, what the hell happened to Borussia Dortmund? Uh, heads gone. Yeah, hashtag heads gone. Heads gone. Totally, yeah, Completely yeah. in the second half anyway. Yeah, it was, I watching the game, it was Dortmund, it just felt like one of these games, Schalke had no interest in winning. Absolutely no interest in winning. Um, and seemingly no belief that they might win as well. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as Dortmund scored the first goal, you, even even though it was a derby, you kind of felt like, well, that's probably that then. Yeah. Uh, and then within minutes, Schalke get a ridiculous penalty decision. Um, they score from a set piece a few minutes after that and Dortmund had just no response. The team have had a problem all season, but especially the last few months, breaking down defensive sides. And in a derby, you kind of... Like I see why Lucien Favre has gone for playing Thomas Delaney, this more sort of gritty midfielder. But if you take out the fact that it was a derby and you've got to break this team down, it's just not what you need. Um, I think then yeah, in the second half, Michael Royce was a little bit unlucky. I thought he genuinely tried to get the ball, um, but caught Serdar. It was and a deserved red card, but I don't think he meant it. Then uh, Schalke score immediately from the free kick it's 3-1 against 10 men Marius Wolf was a complete idiot to get himself sent <laughs> off afterwards and that yeah, was a horror every, tackle yeah, that that, well. that, we talk about heads gone like that was the moment <laughs> yeah. it was just like Since, who was, so was stupid Guerrero who was like he was actually crossing Guerrero who you could clearly see yeah. decided not to go for the uh, for the sliding tackle yeah. and then Wolf just cruised around and was like you know what I'm gonna fucking do it <laughs> yeah and I think that's I think that's even 
So they obviously Bayern Munich drew against Nuremberg the following day. Uh, really, yeah, I mean that was really a chance to really seize the and they nearly lost as well. By yeah, the way. yeah, they, they missed, missed a penalty, missed a last right minute penalty. End, yeah. um, but even though Bayern have two really hard games coming up, Dortmund have now got to play Bremen away without Marco Reus. They've got to play Bremen away and Gladbach away on the last day without Marius Wolf. They don't have they don't have a right back. Pischek's played once in the last couple of two or three months now. Hakimi's out for the end of the season. Marius Wolf is now banned for the rest of the season so even though Bayern kind of gave Dortmund a lifeline now they've got to lose a game instead of just drawing one for Dortmund to catch them and Dortmund have got to win three games two of them without Royce all three of them without a right back mm. um, I wouldn't put any money on it at this point so you're just telling you Bayern are going to win it again yeah I think so yeah it looks like I, way, think it, it? I think back in the winter we did uh, we did our predictions in the newsroom for who would win all the top leagues and oh, yeah. I was the only one who said Bayern Munich would really? still win the Bundesliga <laughs> was that when Dortmund were like seven clear the worst consolation was. ever yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah I think it was seven points at that, yeah. at that point yeah oh dear yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I think Bayern is not going to be nobody's going to be able to stop Bayern. Mm. They don't have the toughest of uh, of a schedule coming up. And I mean, technically Leipzig could could still become champion, right? And they've been technically, I think they're seven points behind seven, Bayern. They, yeah. They would have, they, yeah. So basically, Dortmund and Bayern would have to lose more as everything, and they would have to win three games. But by far the best informed team. So, I mean. Would be possible. I would hate it so much. <laughs> oh, God. Do the double? Yeah, that was. Yeah. They, they probably got to win the, the the German Cup. I would bet all my money on Leipzig. Who have they got in the final? Bayern. Bayern. Oh yeah, of course. And Leipzig, oh, the yeah. way they they play, this is Bayern doesn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. <whew. laughs> uh, and Nico, just going back to Luka Jovic for for a moment. Is there any chance he might stay at Frankfurt this summer? I mean, every man and his dog seems to be linked yeah, with him at the moment, don't we've, they? We've talked about any transfer to any big club all over Europe now. Um, so there are rumors that the club wants to sell him for the highest bid that they just get this summer, which would make a lot of sense because even though we like have Frankfurt winning the cup and now they go far in the Europa League, this is not a wealthy club. It like not after the last like 10, 15 years. It just isn't. So um, our record selling the player that we sold for the most money is Kevin Trapp for seven million euros. Like we this is the biggest transfer out we ever had. Mm. So selling somebody for 50, 60, 70 million would be insane for the club. Um, so I wouldn't be be mad at the club if they just take the bit the highs off it again. Mm. But then on the other hand, it kind of feels like Jovic, the player, wants to stay, and his agents wants him to leave. Um, apparently, the 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 both Spanish giants uh, Barca and Real aren't that interested anymore because uh, Frankfurt was asking for too much money. Because apparently Frankfurt sent the agent, the Luka Jovic's agent, and said like, look. Just talk to them if they're interested. And the agent said something about like 50 million euros, you can get him. And then they, he talked to Frankfurt again. They were like, no, no, wait, no, no, 80. <laughs> and he went back to Barcelona and they said 80. And they were like, oh, no. <laughs> so honestly, at this point, I just can't. I can't tell it. Yeah. But I think that... Luka Jovic could be the next big thing uh, in, in European when it comes to strikers in, in there Europe. are so few like young strikers, strikers. that scored mm. like so many goals yeah exactly so I think if you are a European giant you 
should consider spending 80 million euros mm-hmm. for him, even if it sounds like an insane amount of money. It doesn't and, really in this day and, day and age, does it? It's yeah. Quite if, if he was scoring this many goals in England, nobody would no. question that he was going to cost 80 yeah, million. Yeah, that's very Absolutely. true. Yeah. But I think, I'm pretty sure he's going to play for Frankfurt next season, maybe on a loan, um, because I still think that that Barca is the front runner for a transfer. Mm-hmm. And I think that they would loan him back. Is it a, a year too soon to replace Luis Suarez, but then after exactly. one year, it I would think be perfect. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's more or less what you hear from like uh, from the from Spanish mm. press and surrounding of the club. So I think next year he's going to be in Frankfurt, but we don't know if we still own him. Mm. That sounds it. Time will tell. Well, time has told us that that is the end of today's show. Uh, thank you to Matt, Nico, and Lewis. We'll be back again next Friday to talk about the second legs of the Champions League and Europa League semi-finals. Uh, if you want to get your questions into us about those games, the email address is podcast at onefootball.com, and we'll see you next week. Hello.